0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people.
1: Seven, maybe eight years. Um, We live at Fountaindale. We have three grown-up children, six grandchildren and one great-grandchild. That makes me feel very
0: old. Yeah, round of applause (laughs) for I'm not that old, really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next in line we have Andy. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, Andy?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Andy, I'm married to a lovely lady, Jackie, and I've got three young kids. Um, been at NVBC for three and a half, maybe four years. Uh, live at Carryong. Yeah. i not that's <laughs> more important than your kids. <laughs> I recently acquired a jet ski.
0: <laughs> Ashley, tell us a bit about yourself.
3: So, hi, I'm Ashley. Um, I've been going to this church for maybe about three years now. Um, I have two brothers and I'm in year 12 this year at St. Phillips Christian College and I also live at on
0: How good's carry-ong? Am I right? <laughs> um, now, I've got these three people up here because they are all in what we call a connect group. Uh, so, tell us, how did you get involved in a connect group we'll, we'll go back the other way so we'll start with you
3: um, So as I said I've been here for about three years now um, so about two years ago I got asked by Alice and Jamie to join a connect group um, which I attend every second Sunday before church um, it's been really good I've made great connections with like all of the people there so yeah. And,
0: and what's your like favorite thing about being in a connect group?
3: Um, Definitely the connections I've made mm-hmm. um, and all of the support that I get from all the girls there, especially from the year 11 girls who obviously I've seen them at youth but didn't really talk to them a lot, but now I've made strong connections with them um, awesome. and definitely like the studies we do, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Great. Andy, how do um, you get involved in connect groups here?
2: He, yeah so like i suppose i've known ever since youth group and experienced how important it is to be in a connect group um like being part of a church community is about so much more than a sunday service it's sort of relationships with people um so yes shortly after starting at mvbc we got connected in with a group um other mums and dads with young kids it was great to have that connection with people it was very comfortable very nice
0: yeah
2: um and, and that's a good thing. I think it's really important to be comfortable in a group. But I suppose Jackie and I felt a bit of a nudge that, that God was calling us to something else. Mm. Um, and funny how God works. So uh, an opportunity came up to lead a young adults group, which we now do. So we're really enjoying that, um, broadening our network and connections here and, and sort of seeing the next generation have that space where they can talk and connect. So
0: Awesome. And you, would you say that is like your favorite thing about Connect Group?
2: that and I don't need to leave the house, they they come to us, oh, so, yeah. <laughs>
0: bonus.
1: <laughs> Graham, what's been your history of connective mm, involvement? goes back probably 40, 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we've been in various groups, We're, I've led groups, uh, been a participant, uh, we've been, I've been in two groups since being with NBBC, uh, At the moment we're with Ian and Roseanne Berry's group, which is very convenient for us. It's only a few hundred meter walk from our place, so that makes it good. We meet on a Tuesday night. We have probably five couples that come. Uh, We meet and usually have dessert before the meeting, before our get together, which is really great. So we meet at about quarter to seven, have dessert, talk about our week, uh, prayer points, uh, and then we get stuck into Johnny's studies. What I like about the group is that we do life together. Um, we, we send out the prayer points that came up during our prayer time. We send that out to everybody. So we've got something to focus our prayer life on over the week, which is great. Uh, what I like about our group is any, anything's open Um, you know, we can talk about anything, basically, uh, and I think, I'm pretty sure most of the people in our group feel feel pretty free to say exactly what they think, even though they might be labelled a heretic, so that's,
0: that's, that's great. (laughs) Wonderful. So, yeah, as you can see, um, at MBBC we have all different kinds of groups, uh, meeting all different times of the week, um, and it's something that we really value, um, And we thought we'd we'd give a bit of a plug tonight uh, to anyone here who isn't in a group or maybe never even thought about it, um, to kind of get a better idea of what does it mean uh, to be in a connect group. Um, And as you can see, it means all different things to all different people. Um, But yeah, it's really valuable. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, You all win a prize. (laughs) It wasn't really a competition, was it? Um, But yeah, thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. So, I want you to think about the, the, your best friend, the person in your life who you feel the deepest, closest connection with. Uh, that person might be your mum or your dad, uh, that person might be uh, your, your husband or your wife, uh, it might be... Your, your best friend or your little group of friends who you do life with, um, we, all, we all long for these deep personal connections, don't we? Uh, and most of us, thankfully, can picture at least one person when I say that. Um, it's a really valuable thing to have a best friend, whoever they might be, uh, whatever kind of relationship that might be for you. It's really deep and really important. Um, I think in my life, of the people that I've been particularly close with, um, it's actually changed in different seasons of life. You know, you have have your best mates in primary school, and then they go to a different high school to you, and then you make new friends there. And then when you finish high school, maybe those friendships kind of become more distant, and you make new friends in the next part of your life. Um, But actually, for me, the, the closest... Friendships that I've had have all been at church. Uh, I only started going to church when I was 16. Uh, but yeah, those, those friendships that I made in those first couple of years there, uh, and that I continued making friends in churches I've been part of, uh, it is a great place to make a deep connection. These kind of deep friendships, these deep relationships are actually part of what make us human. Uh, They are like an incredibly important thing to have. Uh, If you have a really close, deep relationship with another person, uh, it makes you mentally healthier, uh, even physically healthier, uh, because you're happy, because you're content, uh, because you feel safe and secure and supported and valued by somebody else. Uh, In fact... In the very beginning of the Bible, uh, this idea appears. Uh, In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, so this is just after God has made Adam, but before God's made Eve, and Adam is the only human being in the picture, and God says, it is not good for this man to be alone. I need to make another human being. Because human beings are made for these connections and these relationships. Uh, Now, our world knows this. You don't need to read the Bible to know how important these connections are. Um, I did a bit of research for this message, uh, and I found that uh, there's a lot of good research out there about social isolation and loneliness. Uh, which actually are two different things. We think of them as the same idea, but there's a slight difference there. Uh, social isolation social isolation, uh, is when you don't have many deep or any deep connections with other people. You're on your own. Uh, and loneliness is when you feel disconnected and you feel lonely. You can be socially isolated and not feel lonely. You can just be okay with being on your own. And you can feel lonely even when there are other people around. So there's a, a slight disconnect between the two concepts. Uh, and so they do this, uh, these studies on this kind of stuff. And they, they found out that 30% of young adults reported feeling lonely, even if they had people around, in the week before they asked them. So they said, in the last week, have you felt lonely? And 30% of young adults said either yes sometimes during the week or yes the whole week. 30%. The numbers are similarly high for teenagers, kind of in the lead-in to the young adult category, uh, and for elderly people, who are often the most socially isolated, even if they're not the most lonely if you know what I mean. Uh, If you wanna explore more about uh, teenagers and old people feeling lonely, uh, there's a great series on the ABC at the moment, which I've just started watching, called Old People's Home for Teenagers, where they get old people and teenagers and like put them together and they all make friends. It's lovely um, and heartwarming, but also kind of bittersweet at times. Um, It's a good little reality TV, Thing that isn't, you know, reality TV shows are like horrible. This isn't horrible; it's quite a nice one, so I do recommend it. Let's move on. So, the Bible—that's what we're here for. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters, which are in the New Testament of your Bible, uh, and one of them is called Ephesians. And he wants to kind of lay out for the church in Ephesus, which is now in Turkey today. Uh, he wants to lay out for these people what it means to be God's people in the world uh, and how to live as Christians together. And so he kind of lays out this manifesto here uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. He's done uh, what Lewis likes to call the why behind the what in the first three chapters, and now he's got to the what itself. Uh, So if you want to read the backstory, you'll have to do that for homework. Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. We're jumping in at chapter 4. one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is the very one, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe." as each part does its work. Whew, that's a long one, but it's good. Uh, we're going to go through it bit by bit, uh, and we'll start with the first two verses of this little passage. Paul says that he, he's urging the Ephesians, he's urging his readers to live a life that is worthy of the calling they've received. Uh, He's basically saying, you've been called by Jesus. You've heard the call of Jesus on your life. He said, follow me, and you've said yes. Now, live up to it. Put it into action. Push into it deeper and deeper. Uh, If you're really going to be a Jesus follower, then follow with everything you have. And how does that work? What does that look like? Well, in verse 2, he starts listing off instructions. Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. It's a quickfire list of things to do. Uh, As I said, uh, this is his practical instruction section of the letter, uh, and he starts with a bang. Bang. Bang, 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 multiple bangs. It's a challenge, isn't it? What is it? Do you think it's even possible to be completely humble and gentle all the time? Like, how, do you, how can you be gentle and humble when that person is just so difficult to get along with? Or when you've got an idea and you want to put it into practice, and that person is in the way, that person is stopping you, and you just want to push them aside and, and, and get to your goal. How can you be patient when somebody is slowing you down, when you've got things to do, and that person is taking all your time away from you? And maybe the hardest one, bearing with one another in love. That is that that situation in your life where that person is difficult, where they're frustrating, uh, where they're doing the wrong thing by you, and they're hurting you. And bearing with them in love is being able to say, even though I can see that you are imperfect, and you are broken, <laughs> and you are causing harm, I'm going to keep loving you anyway? That's the hardest one. How do you keep on keeping on when other people are difficult? In fact, all of these things are difficult because other people are difficult. You know, I've just been going on about how important it is to have these relationships, but let's be honest, relationships are hard. People are difficult. (laughs) They say the wrong things. They do the wrong things. They tell you one thing and do something else. They let you down. People are challenging. The challenge continues in the next three verses. He goes on to say, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity. Now, that's that's hard too. How do you maintain unity and peace with people you disagree with, with people who do things a different way to the way you would like them done or who believe things that are different to the things that you believe. How do we stay as one when we have so many differences? He kind of almost starts getting into poetry here. He says, there is one body, and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all one 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 in our world we don't think like that in our society in our culture as westerners we think about ourselves as individuals. I am one. I have my one body, and you have your one body. I have my one faith, and you have your faith. I have my relationship with God, and it's different to your relationship with God. I believe the things I believe, and you believe the things you believe. But here... Paul is writing to these people and he's saying, you are all a big one. There is only one Jesus. There is only one God. And if you have faith in that one Jesus, and so does your fellow Christian over here, even if you disagree about stuff, you are still part of one body. There is only one church because there is only one God. And only one Jesus, only one faith, only one hope, only one Lord, only one baptism. And yet, Paul wants to acknowledge that in spite of that perfect oneness and that unity, diversity is still really important and valuable. And so, in verse 7, he starts the verse with the word, but... But in spite of our oneness, each one of us has been apportioned a gift from God. Actually, in, in the version I just read, it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, but I find that a bit confusing. What he's basically saying is, everyone has been given the gift of grace, and everyone gets a different gift. Everyone gets a different apportionment. The gifts that God has given us make us unique and make us different from one another. And that is a good thing. Uh, He would probably say that true, healthy unity requires diversity. Otherwise, it's uniformity, where people are just being squished into a particular mold that isn't really who they are or who God has made them to be. Um, A very old-school theologian, a guy called Calvin, wrote this, "'No member of the body of Christ is endowed with such perfection as to be able, without the assistance of others, to supply his own necessities or her own necessities.'" That is to say... I need you, and you need me. And each of us could turn to the people sitting near us and say, I need you, and you need me. Paul goes on to describe what are the gifts that Christ has apportioned to his people. What are all the gifts that he's given us? He says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So, there's kind of five plus gifts that he lists there, which is nowhere near all the possible gifts. Uh, I say plus because while we've got the five named there, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the plus is this idea of works of service, which is kind of, and the rest. (laughs) All the other gifts, all the other works, all the other things people could be are kind of held in that little phrase off the end of the list there. He's saying that, first of all, Christ has given the leaders, the teachers, the people who will come and who will give input, who will raise up the rest of the church. They are these apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but after that, step two is that all the others who are not those five things continue using their other unique gifts to do all the other works of service that need doing. And as everyone does their bit, the whole body of Christ is built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a big deal. (laughs) A whole lot of flowery language, isn't it? But it's important to understand what he's talking about. He's not saying that if you get this stuff right, then you will become a perfect Christian. He's saying if yous get this stuff right, and yous all contribute your works of service together, yous will be formed into one body and that will be the presence of Christ in perfection in the world. I can't be a perfect Christian. You can't be a perfect Christian. I can't be Jesus in this world in His perfection. But somehow, together we can. That's what He's getting at. That's the goal. The whole measure of the fullness Of Christ is only achievable when we do it together. So, what does it look like? How do we do this stuff together? Well, we're doing it right now. Model one, the preacher plus audience model. I'm the preacher and you're the audience. Congratulations, you've done your bit. You're sitting quietly. Most of you are listening. It's good to see. Great. See, I'm speaking here. I'm using a gift that God's given me to be a teacher, to be a pastor. Yeah, that was some of the gifts on that list. Um, And hopefully, as you sit and listen, you're being equipped. It sounds like that's what Paul was getting at, right? We're seeing it in action. But I think that Paul wanted something more than this. He had in mind another complementary model. Because in this context, how difficult is it for you to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another in love? If you're not connecting and relating with each other, or even really with me, then that's easy. There's no one being difficult. There's no one requiring your gentleness or your humility or your patience You might have to be patient with me if I'm going on a bit long. But that's about it. No, to put that stuff into practice, Paul is assuming that the people are talking to each other and relating with each other. And so we need to add model two, connected community. In connected community, we sit together with one another. We chat, we talk together together. We listen to one another. We learn from one another. And we equip one another. That's the kind of stuff these guys were talking about, about being in a connect group. What they valued about being in a connect group was being able to do this and do it well, to hear from one another, different points of view, different ideas to hear people's stories and what they're going through and what they're struggling with and be, be able to pray for each other and be prayed for and care for each other and be cared for. These reciprocal relationships are vital to doing what Paul's describing here in Ephesians 4. You can't do it if it's just preacher and audience. It needs to be something you participate in. And the climax of this section that we're reading here in Ephesians 4, is this passage, uh, this paragraph here in verses 14 to 16, where he says, Then, when we do this stuff, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful, deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What he's saying is that solo Christians or audience Christians are like rudderless ships being swept here and there by the wind and the waves on the sea. I'd like to offer an alternative metaphor just to muddy the waters, uh, which is that I think that solo Christians are like trees without roots, and when the wind comes, they're blown over. He's saying that you need this stuff to be secure to be grounded, to be sensible. And I've experienced that. Uh, Like, if you have a question about God and you Google it, the quality of answers that will come up vary somewhat. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever tried that and found it a bit confusing and a bit disturbing, but there's some wackos out there that somehow have, Gamed the search engine optimization and get themselves pretty high up the list saying some weird things. It's even easier today than it was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians to be led astray by what does he call it? The wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. What do you do? What's the solution? It isn't to be super intelligent and able to figure out exactly what is right and wrong and accurate and inaccurate about these things. I mean, that might be you, and if it is, good for you. But for most of us, that isn't the solution. The solution is to grow deep roots in the family of believers, to have those people that you know and you trust and you love to say, what do you think about this? Does this seem right to you? What's your opinion? And we can help each other to grow. We can hold each other together. Uh, Just to add a third metaphor, this is the metaphor that is Paul's favorite, is the idea of the church as a single human body, metaphorically speaking. And each part of the body is like like a wrist or a hand or a finger or whatever, but, but we're joined together. And he talks about that a lot of other places besides this. Uh, but here he, he talks about being joined and held together by supporting ligaments. Those ligaments, I think, are those relational connections. And the better you are connected with God's people and supported by all those ligaments, the more you will stay in the body. And, and grow together as a body and grow up into an adult body, I suppose, is the metaphor. And what is the growing up? Who does the growing up? How does it happen? Well, it happens when every single person does their part. Not just the leader, not just the person up the front, not just Lewis, but every person doing their part each part doing its work. So, in conclusion, you are in the audience tonight, unless you're on the podcast. Hello, podcast. Don't just be an audience member. Get connected. Uh, I have a few ideas of how you could do that. Uh, You could get connected by... Serving together on a team. You could get connected by building relationships and friendships with the people you're sitting near and seeing them during the week. You could get connected by sending someone a text and saying, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. How can I do life with you? What's going on for you right now? But I think the easiest, most straightforward way to do this is to join a connect group. You knew that's where this is going, right? This is kind of our our vision. Our vision for MBBC uh, is to be connecting in all sorts of different ways and to be kind of seeking this true connection. I think we do a pretty good job of this format, of the audience format, but this isn't it. If this is all you do, you're not doing church. So... I want to encourage you strongly tonight. Uh, What can be that other connection that you can make? It might be a connect group. It might not be. But this is the option. I think we should sing again. Before we do, I'm going to pray uh, and pray for our our church to be more connected. Uh, Lord God, uh, we don't want to be solo Christians. Uh, we, we don't want to try and do this all on our own. Uh, we want to experience the fullness of what it means to follow you and to live a life worthy of the calling you've given us. So God, I pray that you would help each and every person here, that you would help us to find ways to be more connected to one another and through those connections and through those relationships and through the, the, the deepening of those connections with one another, uh, I pray that we would discover more of you, uh, that we would grow in our knowledge of you, and that all of us together would be maturing uh, and growing up into the full measure, the measure of the fullness of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 5.00 p.m. or on our website at
3: www.nvbc.info.